We're going to learn about, about peace this morning. Let's read Colossians 1.13 in the American Standard Version. It says, Who delivered us? This would be God. Delivered us out of the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. And that right there is amazing news that we are not in the realm, this, this earthly realm. We learned this last time that we have been translated. When you embrace Jesus, when you have, have received that gift of salvation through the Lord Jesus, you are actually in the Spirit translated out of a dark kingdom into the kingdom of the Son of His love. And Romans fourteen seventeen in the American Standard Version says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And that is what the kingdom of God is made up of, is, is a righteous kingdom. It is a joy-filled kingdom. It is a, a kingdom of peace. And he is the source of all that. In the word, it says that when we have been made righteous, we have been put into right standing with God through the Lord Jesus. It's not something we did. Uh, you know, we, we, before we embraced Jesus, we never committed any righteousness, just like Jesus didn't commit any sin. He was sinless, but yet, in the word it says, he became sin. Well, if he never sinned, how did he become sin? And he, it's actually, he had to do that by faith. He became sin. He took the sin of the world, and he became that. And the amazing exchange at the cross, we know, is that it's an exchange of our sin, and we receive his righteousness, his right standing with God in exchange for that. In Romans 10, 18, it says, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. How many knows that the gospel... We know that the gospel is news that is almost too good to be true. And it is, without a doubt, it is a gospel of peace. It's referred to quite a few times, either just a couple of verses. But our gospel, this good news that we have to proclaim to the world, the Lord gave us instruction to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that gospel is a gospel of peace. Because before that, People, there was, there was enmity between God and man. There was that, that sin that was the barrier and that, that Jesus came and took care of that barrier. He did, it was a father just wanting to come after his family. We know that. In Ephesians 6.15 in the New King James Version, it talks about the gospel of peace, having your feet shod, ha, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So the gospel that we preach is peace. Even in we sing it at Christmas time, one of those verses of O Holy Night. His law is love and his gospel is peace. And we're going to find out what peace is. In the Hebrew, peace is shalom. And I think everybody probably has, has heard that word. I think there was even a show on the Learning Channel years ago called Shalom in the Home or something. So the word shalom, and that's how, that's how Jewish people greet each other is with shalom. And this is what that means. It means well, happy, health, prosperity, rest, safety, holy, not 
H-O-L-Y, but whole completeness, and to be completed. And then the Greek word is extremely similar. The counterpart to that, the Greek word for peace is prosperity, one, quietness, rest, and set at one again. And this is both these, this is also known as nothing missing and nothing broken. I listened to a Hebrew scholar um, at times uh, by the name of Billy Brim. She's, uh, she's quite an amazing Bible teacher, but this is, I think that's the first time I heard her mention what peace is. Actually, this shalom peace of God is nothing missing and nothing broken. How many knows? Is it, does that sound like a good deal? Nothing missing, nothing broken? I, yeah. I just like nothing missing, nothing broken in my house. So um, that'd be great. Um, so shalom, shalom gives rise to, to soul prosperity. What is our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions? And it encompasses that. And that Greek word, it's pronounced irene, um, is a calm inner stability that results in the ability to conduct yourself peacefully under, this is a good part, under nerve-wracking, traumatic, or upsetting circumstances. And it, it suggests the rule of order in a chaotic place. And just like joy, we learned about um, a few weeks back, that joy actually is great in situations of turmoil and of of that pressure, that joy is best under those conditions. And in this case, we see peace is the same way. This peace is not talking about making sure that all of the exterior, all of the surroundings and the environment are okay. That's what gives me peace. Peace starts on the outside. No, it doesn't. God's peace is on the inside, and we're going to learn that, that it's actually, as a child of God, it's in us. And, and you know, just like I said, joy... We learn that joy flourishes in tough times while peace actually is seen and God's kind of peace is seen in chaotic times. Who doesn't want that? Who wants to always, um, and I know we all do, I'm, I'm, I do it too, but just to kind of just flow right into whatever chaos is going at the moment and you just enter right in and your mind's going in all kinds of directions and you, you engage in that rather than yielding to peace, and we're going to learn about that, but the fruit of the Spirit, I don't want to get ahead of myself too much, but we're going to read, let's just read this, Galatians 5, and 23 in the New King James Version, it says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. So we see all of these good this good fruit that is produced by the Holy Spirit that comes and indwells our spirit when we receive Jesus and we are born again. The Bible says we're made new creations, new creatures that never existed before. And this is the nature of God that indwells every believer in Christ Jesus. Now, you might be thinking, I, I don't think that's me. That's definitely not, I've never seen most of those, I don't think, in me. But the truth is, that's why we're, we're talking about that. As Romans 12, 2 says, to renew our minds to the word of God. Don't be, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind 
And then we'll see the will of God produced in our life. And, and the will of God is that we see ourselves the way he sees us. This is no joke. He placed, this is his nature, and he placed it in us. And this is supposed to be our, our, our natural, like supernatural disposition in our life. Because other people can take the, this fruit out of our lives, like feed from this fruit in our lives. And, and how many knows if you saw a person that exhibited or saw all of these from love all the way down to self-control exhibited in their lives, it makes people wonder, what's going on with you? And it gives you an opportunity. It's a, it's, it's a way of kind of being an advertisement for how good God is, you know? But it's something we have to, real, we have to believe by faith. Everything we have is through grace, by grace, by God's goodness, unmerited favor. And we, we, we receive it or take hold of it. It's our thank you. And we say, God, that's for me. And that's our faith. And salvation is by grace, by God's unmerited favor. We didn't earn it through faith. And this is the same way that it's an automatic thing, though. When you receive Jesus, this is automatic in your spirit. But we have to, first of all, be aware, okay, this is in me. Now, I want that on the, I want to see that on the outside of me. And that's how we, that's what we're going to learn a little bit today about peace. And, and uh, it's so amazing that God didn't just leave us. Like when Jesus ascended, he's like, okay, I took care of the sin thing. Good luck. You know, just do what you can. I don't know how you're going to make it. But no, he, he, he's such a good God. He fully equipped us to live a victorious life like we see Jesus living. How many knows that Jesus, it, his life on earth in the natural did not resemble a bowl full of cherries kind of life? How many knows he had a little resistance through, through his life? How many knows that in the garden that he was asking his father, if there's any other way that we can do this, that would be great. But not my will, but your will be done. And he faced that, his, you know, what he had to face um, because, of it, you know, it was his father's will. It was, and he, it, it was the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, we learned, and, and we were that joy. And it's so good. The more I, I read on this and, and, and looked into this, peace and joy and the fruit of the Spirit, it's amazing how equipped he has made the children of God. Not only did he say, when I, I'm going to ascend to my Father, and I'm going to send another one just like me, and that's the Holy Spirit. He's not only going to, like Jesus was with the disciples, he was with the people of that day, walking with them, but he was not inside of them, working through them. But now we have him, through the Holy Spirit, indwelling our spirit. So we're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And then he gives us his nature in our spirit. And how many knows that all of these fruit of the spirit, that he endured things, that those chaotic moments, all that, all that resistance through the nature of God, through, through the fruit of the spirit, he was able to be victorious through all that. And that's exactly the way it is for us. And again, you know, I don't have to tell anybody. We're all adults here. We know this life is a bowl full of cherries. But he has equipped us with these, this fruit to endure and to do it joyfully and to do it victoriously. And that's the exciting thing. And that's what I want to see in my life. And peace prevents the first thing about peace. We're going to learn, <laughs> learn three um, 
I'm at a lack for words, but we're going to learn three things about peace. And the first thing is peace prevents our hearts from being troubled. Um, Proverbs 4.23, uh, the verse says to keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Out of it come all the, out, the outsprings of our life comes out of our heart. And I think that was a couple messages ago that I um, went that direction talking about the heart. And that's really a heart issue. The thing, things going on today in our world, the chaos and the destruction and the craziness, you know, pick any, you know, like the Baltimore thing, whatever, like the craziness, the riot, the, all that stuff, I'm not, I don't keep up real good with all that, but it's like the things that went, went on um, and pre, was it Ferguson and just different things and what's going on in, uh, with the ISIS thing and all that, and there's so much we don't hear on the, on the mass media or whatever, but uh, I, I listen to some, some preachers and ministers that, like, you're not even hearing like half of 1% of how bad certain things are, but the whole thing, all of it, the answer is Jesus. We know that. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. They need a new heart. They need Jesus. Everybody wants to blame somebody else for why, why, well, this is why we're doing this, because of this. Well, it's really a spiritual answer, and it's Jesus. It's no more difficult than that, but, and that's our job to proclaim that good news of the gospel, but it all comes down to a heart issue, and, and the first thing is peace prevents our hearts from being troubled, and uh, and John 14, 27, New King James Version says, peace, this is Jesus, this is good. Jesus says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And I love it that it's Jesus' peace, my peace, he says, I give to you, not as the world gives. Just like it's the joy of the Lord, it's not some joy found laying around. You're like, this is this probably will work. But no, it's the joy that indwelled him. My joy in you will be your strength to endure and to live victoriously. But it's his, he left his peace and put it in us. Is that good news? His peace? If he's saying, let not your heart be troubled, whose who's court is the ball in? on that one. It's in, the ball's in our court. We're supposed to not let our heart be troubled. And part of that is learning about, oh, this is the, this is the truth. Peace is actually in me. He, is, he has placed his nature in me, and it's learning that. And, and yielding, I heard one uh, teacher say, the fruit of the Spirit, it's like we yield ourselves to this fruit in us. And there's ways we're going to get into how to, like we did with joy and cultivating joy, we're going to cultivate we're going to learn how to cultivate peace in our lives. But it's like yielding to the fruit of the Spirit. is like, you know those, I think these are my mom's favorite things to drive through, the little roundabout things. Uh, but you know how you, they're not that bad. <laughs> but I think, I think over in England, they have really bad ones, right? Real big. But um, anyways, those roundabouts where you approach one, you have to yield to whoever is stuck in that circle. And, uh, and then you have to figure out your way in. But it's just like the fruit of the Spirit when those, when those um, 
times come up, we have to yield to the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And we have to, you, you have to make a choice. You have to let not your heart be troubled. And we're going to get into some scripture that talks about that. I think it's right here, actually. And then uh, you, it, it's really, the ball is in our court to not allow ourselves to be troubled. And it's easy to say, like, hey, don't be afraid. Don't be troubled. But we do have that, that promise that he will never leave us and never forsake us. We're not alone in this. So let's read Philippians 4, 6 through 7 in the New Living Translation. It says, don't worry about anything. Okay? Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. We are in Christ Jesus. There's a lot going on there, but the first thing he says is, don't worry about anything. How many things are anything? Everything, right? It's easy to say, right? But instead, pray about everything. That just means talk to God. Hey, Jesus, you've been through this stuff, right? Come on, bro, help me out. But just the, the word talks about casting our care on him, taking our care, that's our, all our anxiety, all our worry, all our concern, and giving it to him. And it says, the, Lord, the word says that he cares for us. I look at that in a way like, this is not my job to care about this. I'm going to let him care. Does that mean run away from responsibility? No, that's not what I'm talking about. But it tells us very simply to not worry about anything. To, but tell God what you need and thank him. Thanksgiving is huge. Huge. There's no such thing as being too grateful. Am I right? If anybody had kids, has anybody ever had kids that are way too grateful? Like, you've got to stop them. All right, just knock it off. Man, I wish I had that problem. No, my, my kids are pretty good. My kids, especially Ethan, he, we've given him some things, and I don't know what it was. it was. It was Easter time. We gave him some candy. He's like, you guys are too good to us, or something like that. And my wife was quick to say, well, you're almost 10 years old, and this is the first time we've ever bought you Easter candy, so we're not that good. <laughs> so we waited too long to have kids, and we kind of forgot how you, what happens when you're a kid, and we forgot about Christmas stuff. Well, not gifts, but it was weird. But uh, anyway, so, but yeah, isn't that, you, you cannot be too grateful. You cannot have too much gratitude for how good of a God we have and how good Jesus is. Amen? And if we stay in that, if we just stayed in that place of being grateful and thankful for everything, that, I, I can't imagine a person be, having a lack of peace and with a mindset of gratitude about everything. I heard somebody share something, I think um, the late Zig Ziglar um, said, and they were just saying how much it stood out to them, like he, got, he was supposed to be somewhere, flying somewhere, and and uh, the, you know, the, the plane was going to be delayed, and, uh, and he was like, what, what happened? And he, he goes, well, wait, he goes, oh, I'm so grateful for this. I am so thankful for this. And uh, the guy, the worker or whatever, that told him that his plane was going to be delayed, he says, what are you talking about? Like, why aren't you mad about that? He's like, well, it's one of like three things. Either something's mechanically wrong with the plane, and he named off two other things, like something's wrong with the pilot, and all this stuff, he goes, you basically saved my life, maybe. I'm so grateful. I don't want to be up in a plane where there's three possible problems that could make this plane crash, you know. So he took that 
that opportunity, he'd probably go, he was probably on his way to go speak to thousands of people or something, but yet in that inconvenient moment, he had an attitude of gratitude, a thankful attitude, appreciating them not going on with it. Like, yeah, we're kind of on the edge here. We don't, it's kind of sketchy, but we should be able to make it. But no, he was, it was just a moment of complete opposite of, uh, of what would be normal or natural to see. And, um, and then I heard a related uh, air, airline thing where another pastor said he was behind somebody and this lady came in thinking she was all that and she had all of her fancy baggage and all this stuff and was just ripping the, ripping the guy, uh, checking the bags you know, up one side and down the other. And, and then uh, the minister came up behind him and he said, man, he goes, I am so sorry you had to deal with that. And he, he made sure like he was going to treat this guy with some respect and he goes, and the, and the worker said, oh, don't worry about it. She's going to New York, but her bags are going to Los Angeles. So, so that was kind of, so that was funny. So be careful with that. So that explains lost luggage. Um, but uh, when our hearts are troubled, when we let our hearts be troubled, like the picture of Mary and Martha, remember when, when Jesus was at their house and he was, and Martha was just, all over the place, which was customary to serve in her own home and to provide, I'm guessing, food and comfort or whatever, um, making sure there was fresh towels in the bathroom or I don't know. I don't think they had bathrooms then, but in, in the house. But anyways, just busy, 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 busy serving, taking time to make sure everything's good and then getting really irritated with Mary who is sitting at Jesus' feet. And that's that's a picture of, um, of letting our hearts, she was letting her heart be troubled. And you can easily get into neglecting the thing that is most needed and at that moment was sitting at Jesus' feet and, and receiving what and hearing what he had to say. Um, I think a lot of times we, you know, we can get um, caught up in serving, thinking we're doing so much good and the more we do, the better things are. But but we'd really just need to, at times, sit at Jesus' feet. I thought about my kids were in preschool, and it was called Jesus time, where they just sat on a rug, and the, the teacher, they just had a moment of uh, basically pointing to Jesus and read, and read books or um, out of the Bible and things. But just, we need that Jesus time. If our hearts are troubled, we're freaked out, and we're trying to you know, hustle and bustle and do stuff and, and serve, and we think we're doing the right things, Maybe sometimes just be quiet yourself and take a moment and just thank him for your pre- his presence in your life. And, and that, that picture of Mary and Martha was just a small little, a little um, illustration of one, taking opportunity and just basking in the presence of the Lord. Peace also provides direction in the life of a child of God. And we're going to see in Colossians 3.15 in the Amplified, it says, And let peace, and let the peace, soul harmony, which comes from Christ, rule or act as umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds in that peaceful state to which as members of Christ's one body you are also called to live and be thankful, appreciative, giving praise to God always. At the end of that verse, we see again, 
to be, we are, we are to be thankful and appreciative, giving praise to God always. We cannot be too grateful. So peace is supposed to be an umpire. Peace is supposed to, we're supposed to allow peace in a situation to call the shots, so to speak, in our life. And following peace in our lives, when we yield to that in our lives, it actually, how many knows if you follow peace rather than follow the flow of whatever chaotic situation or whatever's, whatever's um, you know, throwing you off a course of what would be opposite of peace? How many knows that following peace is actually would be following God's will for your life in a situation? I mean, it could be as simple as Maybe you're driving home from work, however far that is, and you have this prompting to go a different direction. And if you follow that peace, that, you know, not, peace is the opposite of a, of pressure. The enemy, the devil, likes to see you pressured, stressed out, freaked out, push, push, push. I would say if you feel that and I would say stop, and, or at least don't go that direction, and stop, and just quiet yourself and calm yourself, because the Lord does not push us, the Holy Spirit does not push us around. Those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God, the Word says. So the Holy Spirit leads us, and, and one way is allowing that peace that's in us, indwells us by the Holy Spirit, is to be our umpire, to suppose that peace is supposed to call the shots. And I've heard plenty of testimonies. I'm sure you have your own, and, and maybe you've heard some, but just different times, even when a parent, um, a, a child wanted to go somewhere with other friends, whatever, and then there was just that, that little scratchy, I don't have a, you know, it's, it, it might be almost cliche in Christian knees, but to say, you know, I don't have a peace about that, but the reality is that parent didn't have a peace about that. Well, that night, you know, the kid did not, okay, Mom, I, I totally trust you. I, I'm going to go ahead and submit to that. No, it didn't, I don't think it went that smooth. But the kid did not go. Well, after the fact, that carload of kids, however many were in there, were in an accident, and most likely she could have died the way it all went down. So she followed that peace, let that peace be the umpire who called the shots in that moment. And I believe as parents, I believe as grandparents, um, I believe as, as spouses, um, that God will use our, all different people, especially parents. He will, he will um, lead you in that peace uh, over your children. I mean, there could be a sketchy, like your kids go for a sleepover or somewhere, whatever. I mean, if you're having a peace about it, you know, say, Lord, I need your wisdom on this. What's going on here? Is this situation sketchy or whatever? And I mean, I'm at this, kind of the start of this, so we haven't entered in teen years yet, but I know that that's, that's my desire is to be led in peace uh, regarding my children, regarding my home, regarding my, my um, marriage, and, and uh, even on the job. But uh, that's, that's supposed to be our umpire. But again, you know, we're not to be led by fear. I mean, 366 times in the Bible, I think, somebody counted them all. One for every day of the year and, and leap year. But Jesus said, fear not, I am with you. I am with you. So we're not supposed to be led by fear. We're not supposed to be led by pressure or obligation. Even in our, even in, in I talked about giving a little bit this morning. Um, you know, we're not supposed to give out of obligation. We're not supposed to give out of coercement and, and pushing and pressure. If somebody ever says, 
You know, I feel like God's telling me seven people here are supposed to give $777 and, and you know, and the seventh day of what I, you know, it's okay. Keep your money in your pocket. But we're not supposed to be led by those things. And, uh, and we're not supposed to be, this might, somebody might disagree with me. I'm fine with that. Don't. But we're not even supposed to be led by money. I know people will move from here to across the country for more money. And what is that what God wants you to do? You know, is it, I've, I've seen a lot of people in my life chase, chase money. And um, I'm not saying it's not good to improve yourself, improve your situation. But I think, I believe uh, uh, with a minister that I, I highly regard and um, I really, I, I partner with actually, but um, I believe how he says that, you know, first you need to find out where you're supposed to be. What local church body Where's the church you're supposed to be in? Because a pastor, God has given us pastors. I mean, in the Word, it's very clear. He has given us apostles, pastors, teachers, evangelists, um, prophets for the, for the edifying, for the equipping, for the building up of us. So everybody who's a believer in Christ Jesus has a pastor. Where are they? Because that's where your job's going to be. That's where, that's where your Garden of Eden is going to be. That's where the blessing of the Lord is going to be upon you. Now, if you don't, I'm not telling you to agree with that. I don't, I don't really care. But that's the way I feel. And that's why for 20 years I haven't gone to Tennessee. Because <laughs> my brother lives in Tennessee and it is awesome in Knoxville. He's got the best of both worlds, mountains and a great city and stuff. But I've just, I've just not had a, that peace to go down there and to live there. Even though every time I go down there, I think, man, I wish I lived here. But, you know, it's that moment of excitement, and it's just a beautiful place to visit. But um, I just, this, I know without a doubt, without going into this long story, but this is, this is the body I'm supposed to be in right here, and there's a story behind that too. But peace enables believers to be peacemakers. In Ephesians 2, 13 through 15, it says, But now in Christ Jesus you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, that's the commandments, the Ten Commandments, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Jesus is the peacemaker, and we are in Christ, and Christ is in us. He is, according to Isaiah 9, 6, he is called the Prince of Peace. And he is in us, and we are in him, and we can be, we are peacemakers. Proverbs 4, 23 says, keep and guard your heart. I already read this, but this is out of the Amplified. Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance, and above all that you guard, for out of it flow the springs of life. Am I saying let somebody run roughshod over you all the time, just shut up, keep the peace? No, I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. But sometimes shutting up is keeping, is being a peacemaker, right? Keeping our lips zipped. Romans 12, 18 in the Amplified says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And again, like at work, that's a, there's some people that don't bring the very peaceful situations, and I've figured it out. The, the less I talk, the better, I think, in this situation. So, um, but that, 
That, I, want to, I work in an environment all day long. Like this week, it happens to be 12 hours a day. But it's like, do I want, I want, to, I want to, as much as it depends on me, I want this area, this little tiny little area with people to be peaceful. And how can I do that? And can I bring an encouraging word for someone who just spoke a, a nasty word and now this person's all ticked off? Like, how can I engage in, 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 in this? I do that a lot. I'm a diplomat of some sort at work. But, um, you know, how, how, look for ways to, to, to be that person that can maybe improve a situation through peace. Matthew 5, 9 says in the Amplified, blessed, enjoying enviable happiness, spiritually prosperous with life joy and satisfaction in God's favor and salvation, regardless of their outward conditions, are the makers and maintainers of peace, for they shall be called the sons of God. And you are a son. You are a daughter of God. You are a peacemaker, whether you want to believe it or not. And there's emphasis in the scripture on the nature of the parent being evident in the son, being evident in the child. That's the, the, the emphasis in the scriptures in the Greek. Is it, it, there's emphasis on the nature of the parent. So in, in our case, the nature of God being evident in us. That nature includes peace. Matthew 27, 14 says, but he made no reply to him that's Jesus, not even to a single accusation, so that the governor, Pilate, marveled greatly. Even being accused in front of Pilate, there was that peace, and it said he marveled at Jesus for how he maintained complete peace and the absolute most intense moment of anybody's life ever. Romans twelve twenty one says, Don't let evil get the upper hand, but conquer evil by doing good. And we know that two wrongs don't make a right and all those little cliches. But, you know, what more, what more um, honorable to do uh, good to someone who's constantly trying to uh, do you wrong and, and to, to not lower yourself down to that, that standard, but to see yourself as God sees you, full of the Holy Spirit, and that you have, you have the right thing to say to sow into that situation and that person. And one way we cultivate peace is through prayer. In Philippians 4, 6 through 7, it says in the New Living Translation, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and minds as we live in Christ Jesus. And again, all the issues of our life flow out of our hearts. And uh, you know, it's easy to, to see that first sentence, don't worry about anything. But you have a chooser. You have a chooser. And choose the way of peace. And again, the emphasis in that is on thankfulness. Psalm 104 says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. So when we approach the Lord, we're supposed to do it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. And in Hebrews 13, 15, it says, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our, live, our lips giving thanks to his name. So again, there's no way anybody can be too grateful. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4 in the New Living Translation says, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth.
So, and, and we're even instructed to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And that Hebrew scholar I referred to earlier, she, she went into detail about that and talked about that, that word peace, you know, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, that nothing missing, nothing broken, that it wouldn't be divided, that, it, that there's a wholeness and a, and a, and a oneness to Jerusalem. Because, you know, all kinds of people want to split that land however many different ways, and it's not going to happen. And uh, we are, as believers in Christ, to, as our brothers and sisters, um, to pray for that peace. But even in here, as much as you hate pol- politics and whoever's in office and whatever and whatever your side you're on or whatever, the simple thing is the Lord instructs us to p- pray for those who are in charge over us and over our country. We, we don't have to agree with and align with and even respect maybe the person, but we do respect the office that they carry um, God is the one who, who um, appoints. God is the one who promotes. And, and uh, no matter how we think about that, it could be going the opposite direction that we believe it should go. But we are supposed to pray wisdom. We are supposed to pray um, because it says we will dwell in, you know, peacefully. Um, and uh, that's something that you know, it's not easy to do. It's definitely something you don't feel like doing. But to pray over your civil authorities and, 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 and different branches of government, um, because there are people in there that, that are God-fearing people that, that want uh, to see the nation re- return to uh, that, that foundation that we were founded on and the, the principles um, of the Word of God. But, uh, so just, you know, that's just something we, we uh, as believers should be doing. And to cultivate peace by abiding in Jesus. Um, abiding is, is to just make your home there and and to practice the presence. It says, again, he will never leave us nor forsake us. And John 16, in the New Living Translation says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. And as we practice his presence, you know, he's always with us. And maybe when... Just a one way to yield to peace is when things are chaotic. Maybe you're at work and it, life sucks or whatever. You're thinking, take time and just stop and just start worshiping him and make yourself aware that he has never left you, that he, his presence is there. And that's what it is about abiding in Jesus, having that Jesus time. In Isaiah 26.3, in the New Living Translation, we see it says, you will keep him in perfect peace, all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. And it, again, that ball's in our court. Our, our thoughts can be fixed a zillion different places, but it says, it promises us in this, this verse in Isaiah that as we fix ourselves, fix our attention on him, it, he will keep us in that perfect peace. In 1 Thessalonians five sixteen through 18, it says, always be joyful, always keep on praying, no matter what happens. Always be thankful. It seems to be a recurring theme. Be thankful. For this is God's will for you, who belong to Christ Jesus. So if you want to do God's will, be thankful. That's a pretty simple step. And to cultivate peace through a love for God's word. And that just goes back to Romans 12 too, about how we're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our mind to God's word. And that's how he sees us, what he thinks about us, what the truth that he knows about us in our spirit uh, and who we are in Christ and in who we have been made in him. Psalm 119, 165 in the New Living Translation says, those who love your instructions have great peace and do not stumble. 
You've got to be kidding me. You cannot stumble and have great peace. Yeah, if, if, we, if, we, have, if we start garnering a love and a respect and, and put weight to the word of God in our lives, that could be through, I mean, for starters, there's some good, good uh, word coming out of this, this body. We have our website, we have our podcast, we have free CDs. I mean, the gospel is being proclaimed and preached through this place, and that is an awesome way to renew our minds and to, and to just give yourself and to sow the word of God in your heart. Um, in Matthew 13, it, the, whole, the whole parable is about the sower sowing the word, and the, the seed is the word of God, and we are to sow that word into our hearts on a continual basis. Psalm 119.11 says, the Amplified, your word have I laid up in my heart that I might not sin against you. And I heard a little one-liner from a pastor out in Granville that says, sin will keep you from the Bible, and the Bible will keep you from sin. And uh, this is what the psalmist says, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And when you start finding out through his word how good of a loving father he is and 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 how he sees you in right standing because you have embraced his gift of Jesus. There's a scripture verse that says, awaken to righteousness and sin not. That does not mean stop sinning, now wake up to righteousness. No, it means once you awaken to the fact that you have been placed in right standing with God, your natural response, your natural desire why would I want to do anything or allow anything that would lead me away from, from God's will for my life? There, I heard someone say really, really good was, uh, I think, a, a minister that's been gone for a while. E.W. E. Kenyon said that sin makes cowards of men. I mean, I remember those moments where I felt like I, I disappointed God. The last thing I wanted to do is, is to approach him even though he says in his word clearly, come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy. That's what he says. When we, if we've screwed up, if we've messed up, the first place we're supposed to do is run to our daddy. And that's not our natural response because I think through life we're so geared towards if I screw up, I've screwed up, they don't want anything to do with me. And that is the exact opposite in the kingdom of God. He wants you to run to him with unabandonedness and just hop in his lap, and, and he has your answer. He has the comfort that you need, the comfort of the Holy Spirit and that peace. So here we go. We're almost through. James 3.16 through 18. King James Version. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So this would be, I, I, there's plenty of enemies to, to peace, but strife, I would say, would be at the top of the list. Uh, that word strife means faction, which, and, and I looked it up in the dictionary, it's, it's a self-seeking group all about self, self-centeredness. We know that that is the source of all grief in life, is self-centeredness. Uh, strife also means contention, anger, 
disagreement or provoke to anger. Nobody wants what this just says. Where there is envying and strife, there is confusion and every evil work. And that word confusion is instability, disorder, or commotion. None of those sound like a good home atmosphere, do they? Strife. And again, we are, we are, the ball's in our court on that one to keep strife out of our life. And sometimes to be that peacemaker in a strifeful situation means shut up. <laughs> I don't, don't, add, don't add to whatever's causing strife. But, uh, and I'm, you know, when I'm saying this stuff, I'm just as guilty as the next guy on that. But I am learning, right, honey? Okay, I love you. All right, commotion synonyms. I really question whether I should do this or not, but I'm curious if anybody has heard these words. And what I'm thinking, I had this thought this morning, if there is a strifeful situation, one of these words that are synonymous with a commotion might change the strife to laughing because they're funny to me. So commotion synonyms. If you've heard any of these words, raise your hand because these are funny. I'm sorry. Maybe this is just me. Okay. A hullabaloo. That's a commotion. Anybody? What's all the hullabaloo in here? All right. See how this can end strife? Strife. See, it's funny. I just thought these words were ridiculous. Oh, I just got rid of that word, didn't I? All right. Next word, a hubbub. A hubbub. Anybody use that word, hubbub? What's all the hubbub? I don't know. This is ridiculous. A kerfuffle. That almost sounds like you could be saying something bad. I don't know. But is that funny? It's he, Andrew, knows. Andrew knows this will end strife if you just start talking about, I don't want any kerfuffles in this house. Uh, a willy-waw. A willy-waw. I don't know. Anybody heard that word? It's crazy. And I think there's one last one, maybe. A hurly-burly. Stop all your hurly-burly in this house. So, kind of funny. Yeah. Anyway, I laughed for a pretty long time reading these. But uh, that's commotion. Again, that's a, it's just a, the product of, of strife in a home. And uh, so, if you don't want any hullabaloos or hubbubs or kerfuffles, kerfuffles then uh, stop strife, right? So, uh, we're going to go right into how peace was even made available. Isaiah 53, 5 in the Amplified says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. The chastisement or the punishment. Needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. How many knows that it's because of Jesus? It's because of his choice to submit to the will of the Father that we have peace. We have obtained peace through the punishment that he took for our sin on himself. That's how we have peace. And I'm so grateful and so thankful for that. 1 Corinthians 14.33 said, it says, For God is not a God of disorder, but a God of peace. And there's multiple scriptures that refer to God, 
Our God is a God of peace. And that lines up perfectly with what we hear Pastor Chad say all the time is that God's not mad at you. He's not even in a bad mood. He is the God of peace. And we serve the King of kings, who is the King of peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are in a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy. And this scripture, um, in Philemon 1.6 in the New King James Version, that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you, in Christ Jesus. Who doesn't want to be effective? Who does not want to be effective in the sharing of your faith? And to let others see the goodness of God. And, and this is part of it. This, we're talking about peace today, acknowledging peace is in you. It's not some outside thing. It doesn't have to do with, the, with your outside circumstances because I'm betting they're not always peaceful or not even close, but peace is in us, and we need to, we're, we're constantly renewing our mind to who, what is in us through Christ Jesus, who is in us, and who we are in out of this, out of the word preached from this, this pulpit at Karis New Testament Church. And that's something as an individual believer, you need to remind yourself through the word of God, through pre- listening to preaching and teaching, however you do it, books and whatever. And just even, I mean, God can speak to you through anyone, but to remind ourselves what is in us in Christ Jesus. I mean, we are citizens of a kingdom of peace. And our Prince of Peace is the ruler of that. And if God be for us, who can be against us, right? He is for us. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.